All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF, which I do out of my home. I generally do it out of the garage, but to uh, to let them do the work that needs to be done in the garage, it's now in my house, upstairs, in my house, right next to my bedroom, right down the hall from the bathroom. It's in my house. I don't know why I'm making a point of saying that, but I just wanted to make a point of saying that. Today on the show, uh, my guest in my house is David Letterman. Now, I'm going to talk about that experience or, or, or how I felt leading up to that experience. But first, I want to, for some reason, I need to talk about John Lennon for a minute. Last night, I, I guess this is mostly about, you know, reverence and people that have an effect on your life or people that you look up to. I, I'm talking primarily about artists. Well, you know, look, we're all the same. We are all people. But there are amazing people and there are people that for whatever reason in your life, that uh, you develop a relationship with, uh, you, you know, in your heart, in your mind because of their work. And I just had the weirdest experience last night because I was, it was a documentary. I watched this documentary on Netflix. It was called uh, Above Us Only Sky. I didn't know what it was. And, you know, you get to a point in life where you think you've seen all you, you need to see in documentary footage or, you know, you think you know all you need to know about certain people or or maybe it, you know, it's sort of like, meh. But it was John Lennon, and I was like, "All right, you know, I've got, I've, ha- I have time these days to reflect and think about my future, and you know, all the positives and negatives that come along with uh, some sort of mental or emotional transition I'm experiencing." And I just settle in to watch this documentary I know nothing about, and it's about, it's about John Lennon and Yoko Ono. It's about the making of Imagine, but it's also about the relationship. But the bottom line was, is there's a lot of footage of both of them, and there's a lot of footage of John just being John. I mean, he's got to be in his early 30s. He's up in a mansion in uh, in, in England, and he, he they're just working on this album, and, and it, the, the relationship with Yoko is sort of redefining him and changing his heart and changing his mind and making him see the world in a different way. But I, I just... Look, I, I'm, I always who doesn't like the fucking Beatles? And, you know, I always knew that John was my Beatle. But watching this thing, I was just overwhelmed with this this love of John Lennon that like it was always sort of there. But I've kind of let it go dormant. I mean, you can't walk around just, you know, you know, actively loving John Lennon every day. But it just tapped into something that I'd sort of forgotten in myself. That, you know, I had such a reverence for this guy. I had such a deep love for John Lennon. And to see all this footage that I'd never seen before of him just being himself among other people, you know, in dealing with other musicians and him sort of working with Yoko and working with musicians. There's one scene in the dock where a drifter shows up and he sort of empathetically deals with him. But it was just John and the spirit of John. And I was just so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed to experience it. It was fucking beautiful. And I just I was able to just listen to John Lennon records for two days and just really get into the the sort of the pain and heart and elevation of of this guy's art of John Lennon. Maybe I'm just turning into an old man, but I guess I had just forgotten how much I I love John Lennon and just seeing him young and vital and and changing and, and creating this amazing record and that amazing song with Yoko was just uh, just too much for me. It just like it just kind of ripped me open and, and I let it happen. 
I let the love in, folks. And I, I was by myself, and I was sitting there, but but I let it happen, and I was tearing up and just so excited because I I guess I had not really, I'd forgotten just how much of an impact you know that guy had on me. And and this is the other thing too about about your heroes. Yeah, obviously I'm not going to interview John Lennon. So Letterman is here. There's a couple things I need to tell you. There's a couple things I, I need to to sort of set this up. I, I think I've been on his show four times, maybe five. I should have probably done that research. I told him I think it's four or five. I think I did maybe four. Maybe I did three stand-ups and one panel. Four times in the 25 years that he was on the TV. So doing the Letterman show was really one of the biggest things in my life. But I, I, I think before I get into that, I think it's important to, to mention that I mean, you might wonder, you know, if you're listening to this, why I didn't talk about The Late Show or hosting the Oscars or, you know, these big career moments that obviously I'm talking about, like I've heard them before because most of us have have heard them before. I mean, he's done those interviews before. And the thing about Letterman in my life, the personal journey to be on his show, but also more importantly, uh, the, the, the history of this show, of WTF, really is sort of, you know, there's part of it. There's a there's a through line here around the comedy store, around the comedy store's impact on modern comedy, around the comedy store's impact on me. The players at the comedy store, both from the past and present and, and of my generation. But Letterman was really one of the original comedy store guys in the 70s. And I never hear him talk about that. And I've talked to a few of his peers and there was I just wanted to talk to David Letterman as a comic and uh you know i wanted to talk to him as a person but there was sort of a thrust to it you know that he was integral not just as a host in terms of giving giving comedians opportunities but as a comic himself so there's definitely a bit of a lean on 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 that area and we talk about other things we talk about mistakes he's made regrets things that that have moved him that but, but but a lot of you know, this is a this is a comic to comic interview here, and that was completely uh, by design because I didn't have that much time with him. And you know, what do you want to catalog everything he's already you know said before somewhere else? So you know, we tried to yeah, you know, I tried to get into the I get into the groove of that, and uh, and I I got to tell you, man, I mean, you know, it took me a while to wrap my brain around the fact that he was coming to my house because you got to understand something. You know, there's the comics of his generation, you know, talk about getting on Carson and how that was a, a game changer. And from the beginning of my comedy career, you, you want to get on Letterman. I used to watch Letterman when I was in college. I was watching his late night show, you know, from the very beginning when I was in college. And I used to see Richard Lewis on there, Jay Leno on there, George Miller on there, guys who he would let sit down. I mean, watching Richard Lewis do panel on David Letterman's original show, the late night show, not the daytime show. I was just like, that is the biggest honor that you could have in my mind as a comic is like you just hang out with Dave and you do some panel. Conan let me do panel and it was all I wanted to be was I just wanted to be a panel guest and be the guy that just dropped by a few times a year to to do his thing and talk with the host and Conan gave me that opportunity but there was always this thing where it's like I gotta how do I get on Letterman you know I, I used to see comics on there all the time and it was just so important there was such a reverence that I had for Dave 
He was my guy. He was my late night guy. I loved him. And I loved the, you know, the, the way he interacted with people and it changed over the years. But when I was younger, a young comic is like, I just want to, I just want to do Dave, man. And boy, that first time, man, that first time I did David Letterman, that was like, you know, I look back on it and, and I, I watch it and I, you know, I, I, I didn't make the best, uh, clothing decisions i went out and bought a suit like the day before and it was much more shiny than i remembered it in the store and it's a pretty shiny suit that i'm wearing on my first letterman but i remember being so specific and you know wanting to be you know just i just wanting it to be perfect and i i worked that set and i told them like it was one of the first times where i'm like i don't need don't give me a mic you know i see guys on these shows holding mics you don't have to you're in a theater and they got you you know they got a boom mic they got a you know usually have a lav on you i just want to do it old school you know just stand out there have my hands free no mic and it's cold in there and biff is at the curtain and you go out and it was like it was it was a cathartic and and monumental moment it was one of the biggest moments of my life to be on dave letterman for the first time and then after you do it once you're like when am i going to get on again and it was very sparse for me you know but then i got to do panel with him Finally, like not long before he he went off the air, I got to sit down with him and it was just like, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life in show business was to just be able to walk out and sit and tell, tell Letterman the Mel Brooks story. Now, the weird thing is, is that, you know, he's coming over, he came over the other day and I could not, I couldn't even imagine it that, that I'd had him in such a place in my brain and in my career, like, I don't, I didn't think that he would know me or anything, but I, it's almost like I didn't feel worthy for him to come over that David Letterman, like this is a guy that your whole life is this mysterious character who has this amazing show, who's, who's truly a funny man and a great broadcaster and a great host, but you had him in this place as a comic in your mind. Like, you know, you talked about him like he was almost a, a mythological creature, like, you know, like no one really knew him or anything. You're just going to do his show. And that was what you worked for. And he was coming to my house. It was weird. It was really a weird sort of like, this is this is crazy. I mean, President Obama coming to my old house, that was crazy. But David Letterman coming over was like, this just doesn't seem right. I mean, this is not how life goes. That David Letterman's coming to my house? What, are you kidding me? But he did. He, he he came over to my house. So, okay, you ready for me and Dave? Here's the other thing I want you to know about Dave is that Dave is a man who has uh, had great success in his life. He's had uh, some you know pain in his life. He's made mistakes in his life. He has regrets. And he is uh, he's he's definitely owning who he is and has a willingness to change. And he's tried to uh, own his mistakes and he's 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 a slightly heavy-hearted guy, but he's also a humble dude, and uh, and I think you know it just that's the one thing that was amazing. You know, once he did finally come over, I'm like, oh, this is Dave, man. He's you know he's he's a little softer than than he used to be, and he's he seems a a little more um, humble. Uh, I think maybe a little happier, uh, uh, very willing to be open. He's he's he seems much more vulnerable certainly than he was on TV in real life. And he seems contrite about the mistakes he's made and, and also, you know, willing to change. And, and I think he speaks to that. You watch his show, his new show, uh, season two of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman. That launches on Netflix this Friday. 
uh, May 31st. But if you watch the first season, he's definitely a guy trying to reach out, trying to make right his wrongs, trying to own them, but also still interested in people, probably more interested in people now than he ever has been, and certainly willing to talk and show himself a little more. So I got him at a good time. But as you'll hear, you know, once he got here, we did all right. You know, he came upstairs and, uh, and it was, uh, I was talking to a uh, comedian, David Letterman and, and, and I'm sharing it with you now. Well, it's good to see you, Dave. Good to see you. And what I was going to say yes. was, uh, uh, I've known about you yeah. uh, and the podcast uh, actually, before I knew about podcasts, yeah, <laughs> and I am under the impression and reinforced uh-huh. uh, many ways, many times, yeah, that you are kind of the breakthrough uh, <laughs> podcast pioneer. Yes, and um, I'm guilty. Well, you know, gosh, good for you. This is, I mean, what a a great uh, forum, what a great format. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, so the other night. Uh, I, I said, I better listen to this because uh-huh. I, I had not listened to a podcast in my life. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how to get them. <laughs> Neither does my dad. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, that's yeah. about right. Well, you're not that much older than me, but he, he hasn't listened to one yet. My, he hasn't listened to one of the thousand episodes. It might be more personal, but what were you saying? So you listen to one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how old's your father? 80. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I, well, he and I are in the same uh, dark uh, space of uh, ignorance. Anyway, uh, so I, I listened to uh, Angelica Houston. Oh, yeah. You and Angelica Houston. Yeah. Now, uh, I know Angelica Houston only because I think she was on the guest uh, guest on the show a few times. Yeah. I know uh, of her, uh, I guess her father is John. John, and, sure. And there's Walter. Yeah. So that's that's how I know of her. Yeah. And I know that she uh, was uh, romantically involved with Jack Nicholson. Yes. Uh, and so I thought, well, uh, okay, this may not have been uh, one that I would have picked as, right. oh, oh uh, come on in, kids. It's right. Angelica Houston. <laughs> yeah. So I started listening to it, and I was uh, uh, dumbstruck. <laughs> Because it was so darn interesting, yeah. And I thought, there's, there's, it's fifty-fifty. Yeah. There's only two choices for yeah. why this is interesting, and I voted for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, it was cool. Do you okay with this? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. good. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's I, I, it was, I was a little nervous. You know, I watched, uh, I watched some of your show, the long form show. I was nervous because, you know, I spent about half of my life, you know, just, you know, trying to get on your show. <laughs> and the idea that you were coming to my house, I was like, I don't think this is right somehow. I don't. <laughs> he can't just come over. It doesn't. I can't do it. Uh, th- this this is uh, <laughs> a, a real kick for me. Yeah. And uh, uh, how many times were you on the show? I think I did uh, stand up uh, three times, mm-hmm. and I did panel towards mm-hmm. the end. There, I yeah. told the story. Uh, you know, we we sat when I told you the the Mel Brooks Carl Reiner story. But yeah, I did stand up three times. The first time, I bought a shiny suit that I looked back. Looking back on it, I'm not not proud of it. Uh, I don't know why it was shiny, but it was. And that and then that, I think the second time, I sat down briefly after the set, and you leaned in and said. You can make that stuff work on the road. And <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what was the point of that? Was it uh, somehow to be encouraging, discouraging? Uh, was it uh, sarcasm? How did I take it? Yeah. 
I well, thought that uh, I thought that meant that you thought the jokes were smart and that they would probably. Oh, uh, okay. Let's how, stop right there. Yeah. Because I was wrong. <laughs> no, I think you were right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, good. I'm glad you didn't take it as an insult. No, I did not. Good. And uh, it's so it, it's so. It, but it's I watched like two minutes of your show at the beginning. I watched the whole Kanye episode, but then at the very beginning, I noticed something. Because I still work at the comedy store, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. I was there last night, and I had a, an old man moment. Like I, I was supposed to bring up Ron White, and he stepped up because he was doing a drop-by, and I looked at him, and I did not know his name mm. for about three seconds. Yep. It was terribly embarrassing. Get used to it. <laughs> did that happen when you know people? It it, it happens to me uh, all the time, and, yeah. and what I do... Uh, and and the people that I worked with yeah. four years on the show, I would just invent a name that I thought reminded me of what the actual name sounded like. Oh, oh really? And then then it would become charades. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Mona uh, Far, Farbender. Mona Farbender. Is it uh, uh, Jackie? Uh, oh no, Kathy Gifford. Yes, it's Kathy Gifford. But you said Mona Farbender. Well, I couldn't remember <laughs> Kathy was my Gifford. Reminder word. <laughs> But I, I just uh, I had that I had a moment when I'm watching you and you just you said you were scared, you know, to interview him. But then when you walked out, like the the moment is really odd that I focused in on. It's just it was just how you grabbed the mic out of the stand. Yeah, and I was like, he it's so second nature when you're a stand up to That's just right. pull the mic out, and then when you put it back in, I'm like, see that? Yep. That's it. That he knows how to do that. It it uh, <laughs> uh, when I was doing the show. Yeah. Uh, I would my uh, toward the end of the show, uh, my favorite part of it. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense if you if you think about how long I had done it. Uh, my favorite part of it was talking to the audience. Right. Uh, and and uh, they would. I had a uh, uh, one of those uh, tie microphones that everybody wears, and I said, I don't. I don't want to do the warm up with that. I want to have a, a hand microphone. Yeah. The same thing. Right. And, and it's the stand, and you can adjust it, and you can move it, and you it's can like pull home, it out. Right. And you can lean onto it. You can yeah. lean into it. You can pick it up and slam it. Yep. Uh, and this goes back to 1975. Yeah. 75, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, because I was thinking about that, like uh, just <clears throat> that moment of grabbing the stand. And I'm like, I'm still there. You know, every, I got to show you something. Hold on. This might weird you out, but just. I seem to be alone now. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why I have this, but I can tell you how, how I got it. Okay. But but for some reason it means a lot to me. This is the driver's license for. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> well, th- a crime has been committed here. <laughs> this is this is Mitzi Shore's driver's license. It is, man. Mark, how did you? I mean, I know, first of I all. Know. Why were you rifling through her purse? Well, that's right. That, here's the thing, you know, Binder, Mike. Yep. Uh, P- Peter Shore kind of, like, I interviewed Binder here, right? And he, mm-hmm. he was like, I want to talk about the comedy store. And then I started saying, how could you not want to? This is That's where you come from. And then he started talking about it. And then it kind of got into his brain. And then Peter Short reeled him in to make a documentary about the place. Right. Right? Right. You know, he reached out to you? Yes. Well, he had- I, I, I think I'm actually uh, visiting with him tomorrow. Great. So so he wanted me to be there when the, he did He did a bunch of footage in Mitzi's office, and they were going to go through some stuff. They, he, he had permission, and he wanted me to be the guy to be in there with him. And as I was walking out, this driver's license was on the floor. And I'm like, I think I have to have that. Wow. It feels a little weird and a little wrong, but... No, no. Now, with that explanation, it feels just right. And right. And, and, uh, and uh, Sammy Shore just died. passed. Yeah. yeah. 
That's Did great. you know him though? Um, I must have met him, but by the time I came to California, he was out of that business. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I not not out of comedy, but no. out of the comedy store business. Right. Yeah. yeah. You lost the store to to Mitzi. <clears throat> See, like for me, didn't this give you the chills a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. First of all, she's very uh, young looking yeah. in that, and I and I only remember her. Uh, she was stricken uh, after yeah. this time, yeah. uh, and I don't remember her looking that uh, hardy. She reminds me of when right. she was when, when she I was younger. Yeah. So you came here in seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah, May of seventy five. And before that, you hadn't done comedy, but you'd done broadcasting. Bro- a lot of broadcasting, yeah. and television, and uh, radio, and and I uh, used to have to. When you're uh, doing local broadcasting, they uh, would like you to go out and do things. Yeah. Uh, uh, remotes? It, uh, well, no, not so much remotes, but just appearances. Yeah. And it used to petrify me to have to go out and be in front of audiences. So I, I said to myself, well, let's don't be stupid about this. Yeah. Let's don't do that. <laughs> so I stopped doing it. And then when I uh, moved to California, I realized... I am now about to go back into the very thing that scared me to death, which was trying to make strangers laugh. But when you when you started out, I mean, do you you grew up in Indiana? Yeah, yeah. And you, your folks were not in show business. No. Nope. What did your dad do? He owned a flower shop. Well, that's nice. Yep. How could that be bad? It was <laughs> it was good, except that it um, he was not a good businessman. He his first uh, choice in life would have been to be. Uh, in entertainment, really? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he could play the piano very well, uh-huh. and he uh, was funny. And uh, I think he ended up in the wrong lane. And I I think it uh, it uh, you turned on him, uh, you know, ten years before he died. Uh, so he, that was too bad. He got sad or angry about the flower shop. Drunk. Oh, really? Yeah, it was an alcoholic, uh-huh. and uh, uh, I always felt, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know your situation with your parents, yeah. But my my father, yeah, could have easily done what I have done, You're right? And I wish he had. You think it would have made him happier? Yes, yes, I do. Well, it's sort of sad though if he had a flower shop and he was miserable. I just had the thought of. But you know what it was? <laughs> yeah. uh, every opportunity yeah. he he turned into. Uh, church functions, he would be the MC. Yeah. And later, when he uh, went into AA, oh yeah, he was in heaven because he had an audience. And, oh yeah, that's and, a good room. I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> and and he he uh, he loved that. He sure. loved being the center of attention and would tell jokes. And I just he invited me to go to a, a meeting uh, once after he. Uh, entered the program, yeah, and I did, and he was running the show, yeah. and I had never seen so many people <laughs> smoking so much yeah. and drinking so much coffee back when you could do that. Yeah, yeah, but that. How old were you then? Oh, I was uh, twenty-five, I suppose. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so he he got sober. He got he lived sober for a while. For a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. C- continued to smoke. Uh, and then died when he was uh, fifty-seven. Oh my God! Yeah, hey, how old yeah. were you? mid to late 20s. Oh, man. Yeah. It, that's young. Yeah. What, what? Tell me about your family. Well, my mom, uh, my dad is a, a kind of a, a, a little bipolar, and my mom sort what, of- What uh, did he do, though, when he was- He's around. He's a, he's a, a, a surgeon. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, when orthopedic. Did, uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, when did he stop doing that? 
uh, he kind of got pushed out. <laughs> he got, he retired not too. It was probably it's probably been about 15, 20 years. Yeah. But uh, they're very uh, you know focused, self involved, megalomaniacal people. But I always found him charismatic and entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I I found my yeah charismatic and entertaining. Right. Me, me too. Right. But the other side of it is bad. You, yeah. you know, the, there's the charismatic entertainment part, but then there's the terrifying part. That's right. At, at home sometimes. And, and uh, your mom, <laughs> what was she up to? She uh, she's still around too. She you know she focuses on maintaining her weight, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she was a painter for a while and other things, yeah. but you know now she's down in Florida and she's with another weird old man and uh, <laughs> siblings. Yeah, I got a little brother. You? Yeah, uh, two girls, uh, two. two sisters, younger, older. Really? I'm right in the middle. Yeah, they both still around. Yep. Oh, that's yep. nice. Yeah. So, what do they do? Uh, one was in the newspaper business for mm. most of her life, worked uh, at the St. Petersburg Times, uh, and, and the other one uh, raised uh, three kids. Uh, and they're all grown? And Yep, everybody's all grown. And you're just like uh, Uncle Dave? I am, no, I'm not Uncle Dave. I'm no. just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, don't, I, you have a relationship <laughs> with them? Uh, legally, there's a relationship, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, I mean, they're in Florida yeah. and Indiana, yeah. and I'm in New York. Yeah. So, so now, and your mom, everybody knows because she was on the show so much. Right. But it's sort of interesting though. You, you, now, was was it volatile at home with the alcoholism? Um, the volatility was my mother's reaction to my father's uh-huh. behavior. Okay. Uh, but they, he wasn't volatile. No, he was not a mean drunk. He was yeah. not an angry drunk. Nobody knew he was a drunk. Oh, he was uh, a professional drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we then discovered, I remember the the day my mother came to see me and she said, I, I don't know, I think I may have to divorce your father. Uh-huh. And uh, she was taciturn yeah. and soft-spoken. And so this was a bombshell. And, and uh, the next question is, Really? Is there a problem? Yeah. And she said, well, he's an alcoholic. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we started looking at the evidence. Sure enough, she was right. Yeah. And, and within a month, two guys show up at the house. Yeah. And they're from AA. Uh-huh. And bang, he was in. That was it. <laughs> yeah, he was ready to go. <laughs> he just w- wanted to be a part of something. <laughs> Uh, get out of the house, get yeah, out of the shop. That's right. Have and some new friends. Tell some jokes. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. That was, uh, uh, and, and then um, I don't, I don't think he lived much longer than that. But yeah. it was one of those deals. Where he had a series of heart attacks yeah. in his life. Oh man! And uh, in those days, the uh, they let him smoke in in, in the, the hospital. hospital. <laughs> That's right, recovering from the heart attack. Well, the doctor said it was good for you, right? Yep. Yep. And, Come on, really? Yes. Yeah. And uh, no, the, it, what they said was to get him off cigarettes now. The the shock might kill him. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then he, sm- he continued to smoke the rest of his life, and finally it caught up with him, and uh, he had another heart attack. Yep. Yep. It's apparently you got a little bit of the heart disease from him. Uh, it's a uh, 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 coronary artery disease. Yeah, that's what he had. I, I assume uh, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. And did you? But alcoholism. Did you get that? Yes. You did. Yeah. And did and what? So when did you start drinking? When I was about 12. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you were pretty drunk for? Stayed drunk uh, right through high school, uh, college, easy. Yeah. Uh, And then after college, you begin to notice, well, how come everybody isn't still drunk? Uh, 
And then where's uh, everyone going? <laughs> I stayed. Uh, I continued to drink till I was yeah. thirty-four, and I just I had a conversation. Oh, well, here was the deal. Yeah, I just love this yeah. because I think every alcoholic uh, has gone through this. It's annual checkup time. Yeah, and the, the doctor is poking around. Yeah, geez, your liver is <laughs> swollen. Do you how, do you drink quite a lot? Oh, I'll have a beer or two. Right. And, and so- the, the, Nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back again, I said, the same thing. And I thought, you know what? If my liver is swollen- Man. Uh, and then I, I tried to quit and I couldn't quit and I couldn't quit and I couldn't quit and couldn't quit. So one day I just said to myself, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah. And I stopped. Was that in Los Angeles? Uh, New York. Oh, it was in New York. Yeah. Because I, I had a TV show at the time and I said, uh, uh, drunk people don't succeed- which show? The the morning show? No, the, the, uh, the late show. The NBC late show, yeah. Oh, late, are you still night. drinking? When, so you drank all the way through the comedy and stuff. Yeah. At the beginning. That's right. That's right. But I, I, I would go home from yeah. the comedy store and drink by myself. Oh, glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything more glamorous than being a drunk? No. Well, I mean, it's a, sometimes you can get away with it if you're, you're surrounded by other people that are fucked up. Yeah, that's so, true. So in, in, in terms of like the show business experience that you got in Indiana, I mean, what compelled you to decide to you know, pursue comedy? I mean, I know you've probably talked about this, but mm-hmm. I mean, you were married at the time, right? Right. It was easy uh, because you would watch The Tonight Show every night and uh, two times a week or so, yeah. uh, there would be a new comedian yeah. on and- after a while, this began to hurt my feelings. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought, no, no, wait a minute. Uh, they haven't called me. Uh, oh, right. Even though I'm in Indiana. So, uh, but you thought that way, right? Yeah. I, it's so funny you say that because I remember many years ago when I was middling for some guy, and we were you know, somewhere in like the South. And he's like, uh, yeah, I really want to get on Letterman, but they just don't reach out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think it works like that. Well, uh, I, I will say that we had uh, some weaknesses in the area of uh, comic bookings on our uh, in, in our run. In general, which uh, show? I mean, you always seem I, to see I think, comics I think, on there. Yeah, but uh, I know there were a lot of people that wanted on. Yeah, that uh, should have been on and yeah. and didn't get on. Um, and I'm I'm not quite sure what broke down there, but. Uh, but then again, it was hard to get on the Tonight Show with Johnny. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's it's un what well, show business is unfair. It's uh, terrible. Yeah, it's a it's a hell of a life. Yep. Uh, so so you see these comics and you were like you, you know I gotta you know I'm better than them basically. No, I it wasn't that I was better than them. I just thought well, I'll bet I could do that. Right. Uh, and it so the idea was you go to California, get on the Tonight Show, and your life will be different. Yeah. And that's what I did. But when you got to the store, because it seems to me that over the course of your entire career, that the guys that would come on, and I was a doorman at the store in 86, you mm-hmm. know, like in 87, mm-hmm. and I got, you know, all fucked up on drugs and, you know, with Kennison and left. And then it took me a few years to when get you, sober. When, when you, and, um, I, I'm sure you've covered this, but when you say drugs, what category? Coke and booze. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the classics, the right. 80s, you remember. Sure. Uh, but it was a bit, a bit much for me. It took me a few years to get sober after that. But I, I did work the door, and I used to see the guys. And how did you do that? I went to uh, eventually, you, you know, after fits and starts, because just locked in with the program, you know. And I got, you know, I went to AA, and you know, I 
still go and I talk in public about it. I think it helps people. And, uh, you know, I kind of figured it out. You know, I heard a uh, a report years ago on, yeah. on the BBC that uh, debunked the whole prospect of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, you know, that's it. But they do that every few years. But mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is the success rate has never been great. There's no other solution. Oh, that's right. That's they say. The, the number of people that join in June yeah. uh, a year later yeah. is l- like three quarters gone. Right. Well, but the, it's still what else is there? Yeah. So e- even if those numbers don't seem great to a non-alcoholic person, you know, it might just throw the switch. You might not stay in, but you might mm-hmm. not drink again. And maybe you do stay in and you, you work that system and it works for you, the spiritual system. But but it's not like there's a, like, don't do that. There's this. Right. There isn't anything else. Well, I, I, I understand. Uh, it certainly worked for my father. And yeah. I, I understand uh, the comfort of being with other people who are likewise impaired. Yeah, there's that. And there's also, there's a process through which you can sort of uh, move move away from pathological self-centeredness. That's mm-hmm. the trick, you know, doing service. And then there's also the amends process. A lot of alcoholics carry a lot of guilt, a lot of baggage, made a lot of mistakes. And they, you know, they succumb to the shame of that. And it's one of the reasons that they drink. Again, mm-hmm. so there is a process to which you can make appropriate amends with people and try to take responsibility for your actions. And where, where in this uh, yeah. horizon do do we find just self medication hiding a a bigger problem? Well, yeah, they uh, they're they're I think within the the literature they say, look, you know, you you know, you can go to go to a shrink if you need if you need other help, get other yeah. help. Yeah. Why is that what you feel it was your trip? Uh, I, I feel, yes, I feel like I was uh, because I just felt better as a person when I was drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You feel more comfortable. You yeah. feel whole. Confident. Yeah. 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 Like people like you. <laughs> you, you That's might right. Even, you might even <laughs> like them. <laughs> yep. You're more fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the next day. Not good. No. 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 You no. weren't so fun. Well, congratulations. Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm coming up on like 20 years. Yeah. I guess, oh, what I was going to say was that it just seems to me that a lot of the cats that you had on throughout the entire run of all your shows were people that you met when you got to L.A. That's correct, yeah. Like, they seem to be your oldest friends were those bonds you made at that that, that dark castle on Sunset. Like, like Mule Deer, uh, George Miller, Witherspoon, Lewis, yep. Jay for a while, right? Well, these, these were all... Uh, uh, the the first people I met when I got there, Dre, Dre, uh, Dreesen. Tom Dreesen. Yeah, uh, they uh, and uh, the, you know I loved having them on, and sometimes maybe they weren't. Uh, I don't know. So it was just fun having them on. Well, yeah, because like you know, there's something about the the brotherhood of comedians. Where, you know, you go through that part of your life and, you know, you can really talk about anything and you go through some weird stuff together. And it's like it's very impactful. And that's why I was always sort of fascinated with that time that you were at the store because it was before my time. And it's sort of a mythical time. And I've had I've had Jimmy Walker on this show and I've had Binder on this show from that era. And I just saw Dreesen not long ago. But it just seemed like it was a completely new world. I mean, when you came into the comedy store, I mean, was it electric? Yes, it was in uh, completely exciting yeah. and again completely different from anything culturally or socially I had been a part of in Indiana. Yeah, and yeah. The, the that first... could have been anything though. Probably. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, did, it's a pretty low bar. No, I, I didn't mean that. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, in my group, and you yeah. refer to it as a class, and I guess I was just right before you mm-hmm. because I think I left in the late 70s to go to New York, and then that got canceled and came back. So we might have overlapped a bit. I was there in 87. So no, pro- I, I was gone again by then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it was you guys, and then there was the um, – like Seinfeld's probably the next guys after you, yeah. right? The guys I, uh, the first guy I met was Tom Dreesen, uh, and I became friends with him. Same with George Miller, yeah, uh, Jeff Altman, <laughs> uh, Gary Muldeer, Johnny Johnny Dark, yeah, Johnny Dark, yeah. Uh, I used to and, see them and and Leno, and then right after that, uh, Robin Williams came in. So he was kind of like uh, the kid that starts at school uh, in the second semester. And was He's Binder there? there? Binder was there. He was like 16 when he was there. It's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. And so when Robin came, when he showed up, everybody was must have been like, holy shit. Yes. What is this? That's right. It was, uh, you know, in the NFL, uh, there will be a quarterback who doesn't stand in the pocket and just throw passes and right. hand off. Right. There, there's a quarterback who will run uh, sideline to sideline, run to the opposite end zone, and then throw uh, an 80-yard touchdown pass. And everybody says, wow, that's the future of being an NFL quarterback. Yeah. We thought that about Robin. Right. And George and I used to watch him work, and we just both thought together and discussed it. We're screwed. We, I just, I'll go back to Indiana. I can't, I can't do that. But why do we think we have to? That's that's the weird thing about comics. It's like, well, comedy's over. <laughs> this kid's here. Well, because he he was uh, so effective and so effortlessly effective, and the place would explode, and you couldn't follow him. Yeah, and that. Well, that's was, really what it comes down well, to. Well, that's what you yeah. want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I never did that. Could, right. could you get an audience to explode and blow the roof off the place? I, I don't know. No. No, I never could. <laughs> I, uh, and and I, I, I guess I told myself, well, that's not the kind of comedy I want to do. I don't want to do the funny kind of comedy. Yeah, well, of course, that's what you got to tell yourself, <laughs> you know. You can find fault or find like, you know, like, well, that's not really what I'm aiming for. I'm more exactly. th- thoughtful. You know, it's more about the structure of the joke. And then it was, I, I suppose everybody goes yeah. through this. We would stand in the back and watch uh-huh. various people. Yeah. And if it was a guy or a woman that we didn't think was too funny, right. we would think, oh, yeah, you'll laugh at them, but you won't laugh at me. Right. Well, then yeah, there's something wrong with you people. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, there's something wrong mm. with every audience. But I think really when it comes down to that, it's just it, it, on a practical level, it just becomes like, I don't want to go on after that. I, it, I just don't. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the worst thing to I know. to have to start from scratch. And yep. It's just that vacuum of disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was me uh, nightly. And then, and then, And then um, – uh, the the funniest one, and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because you show up yeah. and you see a week's worth of comics, yeah. and you think, okay, I I kind of know who's here, right? And then people start coming in off the road, right? So the <laughs> yeah. the lineup changes altogether, and you thought, oh God, no! Now I've got this other funny group of people I didn't know about, and that keeps happening. And after about six months, likely you've seen everybody right. who who's can, working. Who, yeah, that's yeah. right, and. Uh, Jay was always the funniest. Really? Well, without question. But it seems to me that, like, watching him at that time, at least he could have, like, learned something about joke writing, right? Well, it it was, uh, in Jay's case, it was not so much joke writing as it was his attitude 
was hilarious. Uh-huh. And so whether he had a joke or not, right. it was funny. Right. And people loved him. And he was, whenever Jay would work, we would all gather in the back because it was, uh, and, and then he was, he was fun to heckle. Yeah. Because he. <laughs> he didn't he, mind? No, he didn't like to be heckled because he, you know, he was, he was working on stuff. Yeah. And we were just getting in his way. It wasn't so fun hanging out in back there. It was the best. It, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to oversell it, but yeah. I felt so lucky because of these men and women that yeah. uh, Elaine Boozler was part of that group and Jimmy Walker. And then, if you were lucky, uh, Freddie Prinze would show up. Oh, man. I wish I had seen <clears throat> him live. Well, he was, he was great, and he was a kid. He was 19 or 20, and uh, people just would go crazy for Freddie. And then he'd go, he'd leave, and then everything had to settle down, and maybe there'd be an intermission. And then... Uh, every now and then Richard Pryor would come in. Yeah. And that was, oh, my God, it's Jesus Christ has come right. to do a set. Yeah. And I had to follow him one night, which, I, I mean, impossible. Yeah. But you know it's impossible, so then it becomes funny. That, right, right. You can take make yeah. light of it. Yeah. <clears throat> there used to be an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Richard said goodnight, <laughs> and so did the audience. <laughs> right. And so, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, the comedy of Mr. Dave Letterman. Hi, but it was as people uh, were walking out. Yeah. just the worst. Yeah, but yeah. it was great. You know, it was it was it was a fun group of people to spend your time with. And I I would say to myself periodically, I get to spend this time uh, regularly with yeah. the, with the funniest people in America. And they were yes, and they were yeah. 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 And it's it, it's just so like I I I romanticize that era because like I when I was a doorman there you go you walk into that place and there's a structure and there's a system and there's a history and there's this queen mm-hmm. you know in Mitzi right. where you just walked around terrified mm-hmm. you know all the time that you like you know didn't want to piss her off you didn't even want to like meet her eye right <laughs> yeah and and you didn't want her to see you work never no Never. No. When I auditioned at that place, she goes, you're funny. You should wear a scarf. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I wore a scarf for a few weeks. <laughs> I, God bless Mitzi. And yeah. uh, there was such enmity uh, toward the end of uh, my time there yeah. that I regret, but I, I didn't have anything to do with, nor did, nor, I don't know. Between you two? Uh, between the, the group of people that uh, walked a picket line right. and, and the group of people that did not. And as you get older, you, you think, uh, was there a point to that? I, I don't know. Was it was it worth the enmity? I don't know. I don't know. There's still a pretty, like, you know, if I work the main room a few times a month, there's still a percentage deal on there from, from, then, from then. Great. So there are definitely people that, like, you know, I don't know what Argus would do. If if he yeah. wasn't getting paid still, well, that's interesting that there are still some people there that were there when I when I was there. Argus came shortly after I came. Well, Argus is the only one really. You know, there the, there was well, a... Binder showed up shortly after I got there too. Well, he doesn't really work. Oh no, there he's anymore. a director, right? He's yeah. a director, yeah. and and you know that uh, most of the guys like in the eighties, there were still some around, and then. You know, the booking changed hands and stuff. But, like, you know, I used to see Altman. I used to see all those cats. And, I, you know, now I, I don't know what they do. You know, Barry Diamond, sort of Jack Perdue. Like, they, they're mad that they can't get spots mm. there. But, you know, the whole scene changes. Right. And it's sort of sad. It's a difficult position to be in. But Theoretically, um, you, can, you can go there and do stuff. But you, 
you have to move on. You you can't make that your life. So, well, although, think, as you point out, some have. Well, well, they. I don't know if they have a choice. Mm. You, you know, after a certain point, you know, it's a weird thing that. And I don't know if this happened to you that. You, you know, you learn if you're smart that, that you know, if you're funny and you can write jokes, there's a lot of things you can apply that to in show business. But if you want to put it all in the one basket, in the comic basket, I mean, there's only 10 guys at any given time that are going to make a good living. You know, it's a hell of a gamble, you, you know, and, and I, I mean, I took it and, you know, it, it somehow or another things worked out because I set some mics up in my garage when I was 45. But... But there are definitely guys that didn't, you know, we're not known for planning ahead. I mean, did you, when you started, did your career, did you know how you wanted to handle your talent from the beginning? Well, talent, uh, let's just uh, strike that from the record. Yeah. But I, I had the plan. The you plan did. The plan was right in front of you. But the but it wasn't to be a stand-up on the road for the rest of no, your life. No, no, I couldn't do that. I don't have that gene. Some people do. Leno, yeah. yes. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, yes. Yeah. Uh, Tom Dreesen, yes. And, yeah. and Tom Dreesen is the one uh, to thank in, in the strike circumstance. And he is quite, he's the historian. He I got to get him in here. I just ran into him. I said I'd call him. I'm going to call him. Yeah. I'm I'm having dinner with him tonight. Well, you tell him. I'll tell him I'm going to call him. I got yeah. the card. Uh, yeah, I feel bad. but like don't, don't, don't feel bad. But, uh, you know, but he was the guy that, well, he was sort of like, uh, like is, what, was he originally a Chicago guy? Or yes, he, and, yes. And and he had some union background, or was that Mark Lonow? Somebody had. A <laughs> union background. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the strike is, uh, uh, it's interesting to me that it hasn't uh, evaporated with time. Mm. Because if you get uh, men and women involved in it uh, of the day, yeah. They're they're still pretty toxic about it. It's interesting, huh? Well, yeah. Well, well, from your point of view, because like I actually texted Peter, uh, you know, and told him I was going to talk to you, and if he had in, anything interesting uh, on his mind about you know his memory of you, he said, "Well, ask him about when uh, Mitzi used to have uh, him drive uh, me and Polly to Little League in his red pickup truck." Yeah, that didn't happen. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've also been told that I, I babysat for Mitzi's kids. Yeah. I have no memory of that either. Now, it may be my memory, and maybe it did happen, yeah. but I don't remember it. Because a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, when right. you, you get to be this age. But, uh, I mean, if that did happen, it was the least exciting part of being there. I'm telling you. No, I know. To, to know that you got to go there every night was But sometimes cool. you had to do the weird jobs for her. I did, you know. <laughs> you, you, you had to yes. go pick up a chicken salad, and you're like, oh, sure, Mitzi. You just you really try to stay out of her way because you don't know what you'll be doing. You don't know who you're going to be driving. You don't know what to I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think she had a house just up the hill or yeah. something. Crest I Hill. Know. I used to live in it. And then she had one <clears> over <throat> on Doheny. But- but nonetheless, but he did bring up the uh, the fact, and I think that it's something you're alluding to, that there was, you know, a shift in the relationship she had with a lot of comics right. after the strike. Right. And she she called me and she said, uh, uh, I, I heard that you're going to go out on strike with yeah. the, and I said, yes, I am. And she was very upset uh, because she had been very nice to me, had had been, you know, gave me much experience that I could not have had anywhere else. Yeah. But when it came down to it, I thought. The people that want to be paid for this and feel that certain folks doing it, yeah. not, not certain folks, anybody doing it, needs to be paid. These were all my friends. Yeah. So in support of my friends, what kind of a friend am I if I, if I don't support them on this cause? 
uh, and I and I did, and uh, it didn't seem like much at the time, but uh, people haven't outlived it. Yeah, like who? Well, Tom. Yeah, it's it's still a, a good topic with Tom. He did a, he did his first set there in like twenty years the other day for for the uh, for the documentary. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He said it was difficult, but uh, you know you, to you, go back. Yeah, uh, huh. you you can't uh, you know you you can't take everything with you as you move through life. No, I, I I guess that's clear. And 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 the stuff that you do carry, if it's if it's weighing on your heart, you gotta you know somehow let it go mm-hmm. or process it mm-hmm. or. or to make the apology, whatever the hell you got to do, right, right? Right, I think so. Yeah. And, yeah. and the and the fact that you mentioned that you're getting remuneration for a gig in the main uh, Sure, room, yeah, there's still a, a deal. There you go, that's fantastic. There's that, still that's, a door deal there. Yeah, that's a great legacy for Tom and everybody else who was uh, on the... Yeah, no, it's great. It's the yeah. surprise checks, you know what I mean? Because it's still a door deal on a certain level. There's still a, a cut. Tom yeah. used to say uh, when uh, we would be killing time waiting to go on that he said, right now in this country, there are only 200 professional comedians, yeah. 200. And and I think if you would ask him now, that would probably be in the thousands. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know what professional means. Does that mean you you make money doing it or you just say you are one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it's the money. The money, yeah. 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 But like by the time the strike happened, you were already in your guest hosting the Tonight Show, yes, right? Yes. And Johnny had now. This is a guy that you watched when you were a kid, and you know, obviously a mentor, you know, in real life after a certain point. But did, did you have those aspirations to be that guy? Yes, you did. Well, uh, not to be that guy, but I I knew that uh, whatever I could do was limited to sitting behind a desk, yeah, and making fun of people. That was it. When you did stand up, though, was it crowd work or did you do jokes? It turned out to be, it turned out to be quite a lot of crowd work, <laughs> because I I would try and try and try, and I got a, a I pretty a pretty that. tight twenty yeah. minutes in the comedy store. Right. You take it anywhere else. No, good. no thank you. So it's crowd work. And uh, but was it was it cutting or was it like Jimmy Brogan style? Were you just pleasant? Uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to save my life here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Help me out. Yeah. Throw me a line. And I, and I just couldn't. I I I, uh, I mean, the the worst part of it was uh, in Denver. Okay. It was the uh, uh, bicentennial. Uh-huh. So it's July. It's yeah. hot in Denver. Right. And the club. Big club. It yeah. was like a supper club, and yeah. uh, it was me, and it was uh, Lola Falana. Uh huh. <laughs> so this is when comics would do like twenty before singing act. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, and what better way to celebrate the two hundredth anniversary <laughs> than an unknown comedian and Lola Falana? <laughs> yeah. And, and they're paying a hundred dollars to get in. Right. I don't know. So they said now, uh, and I'm at the Holiday Inn down the Interstate. Yeah. They said, now at 7.30, Bob will be here in the limo to pick you up. Uh And I said, great, okay. 7.30, there's Bob. We get in the limo, we go down. Two uh, two shows uh, on a Friday night. The first show goes, okay, Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) Uh, The second show, uh, dead silence. Uh, And and, and, uh, Bob takes me back to the hotel, back to the Holiday Inn. Right. Next day and for every other day, for the ten day run, no Bob, no Bob. So I, I now I'm walking down the interstate every night to get to the gig, and I thought, oh, well, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> and 
and I, I felt so bad about it. Yeah. It's embarrassing, you know? Yeah. It's just embarrassing because they said, mm. don't worry. All I had was like 30 minutes tops. Yeah. And they said, don't worry, we, we turned the house. Yeah. And I said, oh, thank God. Yeah, right. Well, they didn't. Yeah. No. So it's, uh, you folks want to hear the same stuff again, or hi, where are you from? <laughs> a lot of, lot of that. And I called uh, my friend George Miller, yeah. and I said, George, uh, I'm taking your act. I said, my stuff is not working. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking your act. And he says, that's fine, go ahead, take it. Anything you need. Yeah. Uh, so I did George's act for a while. And it worked? Not as well as it worked for George. I'm telling you, this... <laughs> was a crucible. This was... Uh, that, that was the deciding week. You're like, I'm not cut out for this shit. Well, yeah. And um, so many things were wrong. And, and uh, you start saying, hi, where are you from? Yeah. And uh, we're from Denver. Oh, hi. Nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. what, do you what do you do? I sell insurance. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Glad. Uh, how, how are you? Good. Where are you from? I'm from Denver. Oh. <laughs> so you go around the table. And the last guy, I said, hi, where are you from? And he says, I'm from Denver. We're all from Denver. You're in Denver. I thought, okay, good night, everybody. I'm walking back to the Holiday Inn. Uh, and then uh, a guy, a, a, a comic, you know, uh, calls up. Here's that I'm bombing. Yeah. So he calls the owner of the club. Right. And he says, uh, I understand Letterman's bombing. And he sa they said, yeah, it's not going great. And he yeah. said, I, I can be there. T tomorrow <laughs> and i just thought oh my god i couldn't just get any worse yeah. well, who was that i'm not gonna say oh god damn it <laughs> did he come no oh. no i hung on i was able to hang on with uh, george and the other great thing god bless the band yeah they, they were uh to play lola falana on and she had dancers mm. and so they at, at 40 minutes good night everybody drive safely so the band comes down at about 35 minutes by tuesday they'd show up at the 15 minute mark and i just i said oh thank you God bless you guys. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> and they had nothing but great sympathy and <sighs> and uh, it was it was that was the sweet part that the yeah. band said, let's help him. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Come on. We're yeah. all on the same team. <laughs> exactly. Here. Kids going down. <laughs> and, yep. then, and all this time you're drinking. And and you're married. Yeah, I go back to I go back to the uh, Holiday Inn and get really really drunk. Yeah, uh, and talk to my wife and uh, and then uh, Jay Leno decides Jay hears that I'm bombing, <laughs> and Jay loves this. Yeah, so he he decides he calls my wife and says, I you know uh, you know what I got I got I got to pick Dave up from the airport when he comes home. <laughs> so I go to the airport and there's Jay Leno. Yeah. And he's, I understand he had some trouble, Mr. Letterman. <laughs> and so I thought, I can't even get home without the ignominy of having bombed in Denver. <laughs> no, word is out. <laughs> but it's, uh, everybody does it, everybody sure. lives through it. Uh, there's guys like uh, Jerry, hmm. now we're talking the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And he said he was working someplace New Year's Eve. Oh, I don't even the do it anymore. The yeah, worst. I don't know why people do it. It must be a lot of money. And, and he said, uh, I just do the material. Hmm. He said, I don't look left. I don't look right. I just relax and I leave it all to the material. 
That's pretty smart. I know if you can do that, but I, I'm looking for something. My needs are deeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I <laughs> uh, came in on the same bus, but uh, but he's he's smart. He doesn't care. He says, uh, "Here's the material," and I, uh, you know, I rely on it. I trust it, and it works. And this is what you're going to get. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that approach, but because of that, I have no idea who that man is. Like with you, I mean, I know who you are. You know, I've I've been watching you my whole life, and I, like in right when you say anything, I'm like, I I know who that mm-hmm. guy is. With Jerry, I'm like, well, that's a good story, but I don't know. Who that See, is. I I look at uh, Jerry, uh, and and a few other people like mm. Steve Martin, yeah, and uh, the, the, there's just a handful of names, uh, and 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 w- women who are very successful in whatever show business, uh, comedy or yeah. acting or singing. And Jerry, to me, represents the career I should have had. Mm. Uh, and you think, oh, yeah, like Steve Martin, like, oh, yeah. And if you read uh, Born Standing Up, yeah. you realize that Steve actually put some thought into his career. I, I didn't put any thought into it. Did you put any thought into your I career? Just, I just wanted to be a comic. Yeah. That, I want, that was, yeah, uh, that's that was right. it. I yeah. mean, you know, and then like, you, you know, you get a certain a few years down the road at that. You're like, why, why isn't it happening? And yeah. then and then you get angry and you go through that. Well, I didn't even want to be a comic yeah. so much as I just I just wanted to be able to uh, sit behind a desk and say, hey, nice earrings. <laughs> That's all I could well, do. Then, then you succeeded amazingly well. Yeah. So how does it all change, you know, with Johnny? I mean, you know, how does that, what happens to the marriage? What happens to, you know, I mean, how does it, how do you take off? I mean, when you start guest hosting and whatnot? Well, uh, that was huge uh, because, you know, it was huge to be on The Tonight Show. Yeah. Uh, the marriage uh, was altogether independent from that and uh, my irresponsible behavior. Mm. Uh, but if if you're on The Tonight Show, if yeah. you're hosting The Tonight Show, uh, suddenly people are really, really nice to you. Right. Uh, very nice to you. And And I've noticed now also since I've stopped being on television – They've gotten even nicer, huh. and and I think that's the old saying, you know, give them what they want. Yeah, <laughs> get, just stop stop being on television, and we'll be really nice to you. <laughs> Thanks for relieving us. Yeah, yeah. Of what you put us through for. But I I don't I I don't know what the machine is now. I I don't know. Like I I remember I went back to uh, the comedy store in the Sam Kinison days one, on a Monday night. That was his night. And I, I just, I got frightened. Yeah, scary, uh, I, I thought, man. here's, here's Sam, yeah. and and oh, like a guy I used to love, Mitchell Walters Mitchell, w- w- yeah. would hang out. Yeah. Is, is Mitchell still around? What's your area code? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've told people that this was his act, and they don't, nobody believes me. And I said, no. The guy would get up there. Hey, what's your hometown? Yeah. And then he would call out the area yeah, code. Yeah, and yeah. I said, no, that didn't happen. Yeah. It it's, happened. It's a little tricky now with cell phones because they're not. Uh, but is he is he okay? He, I, I don't know if he's okay. I didn't know him that well. He was sort of, uh, you know, I heard a good story about him though. Uh, he emailed me at some point because I'd mentioned him on the show. He says I'm in Florida or somewhere. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. But I, he's alive. I've stolen. Uh, 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 what a hip guy. That was Mitchell's uh, response to anything. That was his tag? Yeah. Did you yeah. hear about Governor Brown? <laughs> what a hip guy. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I've, I've uh, stolen that and, and made it my own. He's a memorable character, Mitchell. 
Well, the place was full of memorable characters, and yeah. uh, it was just great. So, it was great. well, so once you started uh, rolling with the talk show thing, now was that when you did the the morning show? Was that hell, or was that good for you? It was hell, oh, no. <laughs> because you, you know what it is, uh, Mark. Uh, yeah. It's uh, you. I thought. Yeah. I was under the impression that America was just waiting for the kind of show I was going to give them. Yeah. Because you you look at what's on and you think, well, this can't be good enough. Yeah. Wait till I get up there. Yeah. I'll show them what a program really is. <laughs> well, it didn't work that way. <laughs> Not in the morning. Not in the morning. Didn't work that way. No. And so we were yanked, and uh, that was a, a very difficult year. Yeah. Very difficult year. Did uh, you think you were over? Yeah. Yeah, you think you go to the back of the line, and yeah. likely you do. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then had another shot at it, and it uh, slowly, slowly got to be okay with the with the with the late sh- with the first show. That's correct. And yeah. and that was it was, it was did Johnny have a hand in that? Yes, he had a piece of the show. I think he got ten percent of it. I don't know what the yeah that was it with late night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because we followed him and uh, we were beholden to him. Yeah, uh, uh, in in many ways. And were you in contact with him? Was he? Yeah. Was he saying like, "I like that bit"? No, you know, we we, we never talked about the show. I would no. uh, I would go to dinner with him. Yeah. And uh, I I was always frightened that I would just get comfortable, and then he'd decide he didn't like me. So <laughs> I I never could. You, you around guys like that where you just can't relax because you know, oh Jesus, yeah. Johnny Carson, what if I do yeah. something stupid and yeah. then it's yeah. just going to yeah. be all over? And, yeah. You know, it's like, what if I wreck his car pulling into the driveway? That's it. Okay, Letterman's not coming back. It's uh, so horrible because we can't be comfortable. No, like, you, no. You, you know what I mean? It's like you're always afraid you're going to say the one thing, Yep. and that's going to be it. Yeah, I may have said it already here today. I don't think so. I uh, think those, those days are gone. What are they going to do to you now? <laughs> hmm. Well, it's not what are they going to do to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I will spend till Labor Day eating my own guts. You just know, thinking about it, just like, oh, why did I? What's the matter? Well, why? Uh, well, I mean, how the hell did you? How do you hell did you deal with that? Because I remember one time when the one time I did the show and it, like your show, I don't remember which time it was, but I was always it was always a day of just sort of like, oh god, just trying to act normal and mm-hmm. you know, but you know, putting a suit on. And I remember one time I don't I, we I got to the building and somehow or another like. You know, I think I can't remember if it was an elevator opening or you were on the stairs, but you were in the middle of something frantic. Like, did you run the stairs? Did mm-hmm. you used to? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was so dis- it was disconcerting to me. I'm like, did we just interrupt something? That- <laughs> <laughs> no. Was I supposed to see Dave like that? I don't <laughs> the, think I was supposed to the, see that. It, it was. It, <laughs> it, it's it's very funny because uh, at some point, for some reason, yeah. it became uh, in cement that uh, you couldn't be in the hallway when Dave was in the hallway. Right. And and if you were, holy God, and and, and look out. Right. Uh, well, it was never that, but but I like to, uh, from my office, yeah. once I got off the elevator, I like to run as fast as I could through the labyrinthian hallways, yeah. up the stairs, and into my dressing room, right. just for, 
for exercise. exercise. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I kept saying, uh, one of these days, I'm going to run into uh, an intern or yeah. a page or somebody and knock them unconscious. Yeah. So m- maybe we should ask. So this became, whatever you do, yeah. you're not allowed in the hallway <laughs> if Letterman's in there. And and by the way, don't look at him. Exactly. Uh, like so, those, I yeah. think that must have been it. And I was like, Did, am I going to, right. am I still on? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I remember one time I was uh, getting ready to do the show and I was coming downstairs yeah. and uh, an audio guy, who who liked uh, cars and yeah. he and I both would talk about cars. So I'm now four minutes away from doing the show. Yeah, I come down the stairs, and the guy says, "Dave," and I said, "Yeah," and he says, uh, "I got a chance to buy a, a '68 Buick. Can yeah. I borrow four thousand dollars?" <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, said, said, what's what's happening here? <laughs> uh, but you know, those are the things that later are delightful. Did you give him the money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. But, you know. You understood where he was you, at. You pick a, yeah. maybe a different call up, schedule him. I don't know. <laughs> right before you go on. Yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. Those kind of things uh, are fun to remember. I, I remember watching the show, the first show, the late night show when I was in college. And I, and I used to lay on this futon with this color TV set I had. And I just couldn't get over so like there was one moment and I don't even know if it's real or you would remember it. I don't remember who the hell the guy was, but he'd written a book, he was involved with the mob and the you know the <laughs> the, the intro <laughs> the intro was something like this man was involved in the murders of eighteen people yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy comes right out and starts talking about Jesus and you're like, We don't wanna hear about that. We wanna hear about the people you kill. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember it. I, I remember two things that uh, every now and then you get a guy like that who's yeah. written the book. Yeah, right. And uh, I read one where a guy, there's a, uh, a motorcycle gang yeah. in Southern California, the name of which escapes me, which is probably a good thing. Mm. And he infiltrated the motorcycle right. group. Yeah. But he was really working for the FBI. Yeah. And every chapter was, you'll never know how close I was to getting my bike blown up. <laughs> chapter two, you'll never know how close I came to having my eyes poked out with a hot iron. Yeah. Chapter three, <laughs> you'll never know how close I came to having my house blown up. And I thought, well, the, nothing happened. <laughs> and then he's on every talk show yeah. in America. Yeah, he's got a real racket going with <laughs> the, you never know how close I was. Babe. Yeah. That's his shtick. So now- when when you look back on stuff, because I can't keep you here all day, you're going to dinner with Dreesen tonight? Going to dinner with Dreesen, going to dinner with uh, John Witherspoon, Tim Thomerson. Oh, Tim. And myself, yeah. Yeah, I, it was funny. Like, I saw a montage of Tim doing the same horse bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there was a guy you couldn't follow either. Yeah, I bet. Did Were you, was he still no, working no, with- no. Uh, he was he was sort of long gone. The guy. So, so you started in California, or did you start in New York? No, I came out here after college in Boston. I was here for about a year, and I got screwed up on drugs, and I went home to Albuquerque, and I cleaned up, and I went back to Boston and started over, and I started working like in the late eighties, and then uh, I came back here in two thousand and one, and finally got my name on the fucking wall. It took a long time. <laughs> It's so important. It's so important. Uh, I, I just I I, I want to reiterate this. Yeah. Uh, knowing a little bit about y- your story uh-huh. and knowing that it's completely different from other stories, it it uh, diverges at yeah. a certain point. Uh, the coming out here, having trouble, going home, coming back, but the fact that you have uh, invented 
the podcast, essentially. And, and, you know... I used uh, a medium. It was laying there, and I used it. It was laying there, but nobody else had the wherewithal or the brains or the whatever it is that that took to launch this. Yeah. Uh, It's quite commendable. Well, thank you. It it was just a matter... Like, well, I I needed help. And, uh, like, I had been in show business long enough to where I knew enough people, and I was bitter, and I was cynical, and I'd just gone through a divorce, and I was going broke, and I couldn't draw people on the road. So I started this thing in my garage, and I called the people I knew right. to, to come over, and, and, and I, I invited celebrity guests to talk about my problems, and it <clears> developed <throat> a real style. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the, the president of the United States is only coming here because of yeah. the success uh, right. of your podcast. And I'll tell you, in yeah. all honesty— mm-hmm. Even having been here with you, uh, I still don't know what a podcast is. It's on your phone. No, it's not. (laughs) It's not on my phone. (laughs) It's okay. You you don't have to know. Me and your dad. Well, I mean, you're doing long form now. I mean, what what do you feel about it? Uh, I love it. You do? I do love it, yeah, because it's not every day. Yeah. I, I don't have to run through a hallway and knock down uh, ushers. Oh, we scared Dave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine from anyone else's perspective, it must be, oh, God, some sort of explosive device has gone off and he's running for his life. No, it was more like, you know, we just walked in on you in the bathroom. I was like, you know, (laughs) I don't think anyone was supposed to see that. Oh, but uh, but, uh, but how is the adjustment for you into regular life? I mean, do you, you must have... Here's a couple of things before I, I, you know, I, I start rushing. Is that like I don't have children, and I, you know, for years I just didn't think. I thought I was too selfish, too anxious, too nervous, too angry to do I, it. I'm the president of that club. Yeah, and and now you know you have one, right? And it's the greatest thing in the world. Greatest thing in the world. But I, that's exactly the conversation I used to have. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I'm focused on this. I'm. I can't. It will be too big a distraction, and I put it off. For like 15 years uh, with my wife, and uh, that turned out to be a huge mistake. Mm. But I was exactly the way you were. I, I'm worrying about the children I don't have. I, yes, hard not to. Yeah, I mean, like when I think about it, I get anxious. Like, mm-hmm. what, how do you? Yeah, they're gonna. What's, what's I? I had great anxiety yeah. uh, during the pregnancy, and then, uh, as I've said a billion times, like I'm the only one who's ever had a child. Yeah. He's born. Yeah. The switch is flipped, and it it's, is a switch. Huh? It's uh, uh, unconditional love. Yeah, and that well, that's great. Yeah, and but he's uh, doing but, all right. but here's the mistake that yeah. I, I made, and yeah. I'm I'm not suggesting this for anyone else. Yeah, uh, I should have done this 15 years ago. Mm. Well, because now I'm a hundred. Yeah, and uh, you know he's uh, got a suit picked out for the reading of the will, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to look at it. I'm sure he it loves is, you. And you, you, you know, believe me, it's the way to look at it. <laughs> but how how do you, how are you using your time? I know that you know you've said publicly, you know, almost you know over and over again how you do not miss the job at all. Oh, I did. I did in the beginning, but now I I actually think uh, not being consumed by show business. Uh, has made me a better person. Oh, how could it? Well, not? No, no, I don't want to blame show business. It's myself. I think I've I've tried to be a better person. Just blame show business. Okay, why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah, you've tried to be a better. I person. mean, it, it, I got everything in my life from show business, so why not turn on it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but it's demanding, and you know, it's draining, and it's like a and, cancer, and it's misguided. Yeah, you know, it's misguided. It's a it's a tiny focus. Uh, and everybody says, "Oh, but uh, joy." That yeah, I'm not sure about that. Right. Well, no, I don't. I don't know what joy is. I'm working on it. You know. I mean, yeah. I, I I I feel it, but I push it away. 
but <laughs> but, but see, to, to, to me, what you're you're doing here is yeah. a service to people because it's entertaining and yeah. informational. Yeah, and it, people like uh, they they get to know people. It's it, it's good. And Angelica Houston, yeah. I know I know more about Angelica Houston. I, I was never interested in her. But she's I a like, person. Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. People it was good. People. It was good. But uh, let me ask you before like I, I go nuts. Like so so the the child the, having the kid is good, and you're enjoying life. And also, it seems to me that you've evolved, you know, publicly very well. Like the way you handled the blackmail thing was amazing. The way you handle, you know, your past sort of uh, treatment of women is amazing. Like you're you're an evolving person. I think people, you know, there's very few people that speak about it the way you do. Well, you know, you go through life one step at a time, and uh, two things can happen. You yeah. you either get smarter from these lessons, or you don't. Yeah. And if you don't, you're a fool. And nobody wants to be a fool. Yeah, and 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 you say that your the depression is better. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It is better. It, uh, yeah, uh, thanks to medication. Yeah. Sure, it's fine. Do you meditate still? Yes, I do meditate. I meditated uh, today. Yeah, yeah. But do you have a certain system because people tell me I should do it, and I, you know, I, I feel like we have a lot in common in the anxiety pushing things away. You know, wh- why is happiness important? Department. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so what made you do like transition to that? Was it the the hard thing? No, it, it was because I it was part of uh, uh, my program to become a better person, and I thought perhaps meditating would help oh. me become a better person. And and I'll tell you what meditating does. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, uh, nobody was more skeptical about it than myself. Yeah. But it does work. I've I've actually had blood pressure just drop right down after meditating. Yeah. But. It, it also refreshes you in a way that for a while just gave me more energy to be angry. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, no, wait a minute here. This is, something's not quite right. Well, every time I exercise, I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But your your dad's uh, 82 or something. 80, so, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he keeps plugging. Yeah. But, you know, you, but the anger's better. Yeah. Yeah, I less to be angry about. I mean, you know, a, a network television show is you, you pretend it's important. Yeah. And 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 Leno was always yeah, see him at the nobody watching his show, and then you, and so you'd have to oh Jay, okay, thanks, thanks Jay. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, artificial. <laughs> you know, I pr- talked to pressure. him. Oh, he was on the show. Yeah, and I was, and he like, he, you know, he knew I was in the other camp. Mm-hmm. So it was it was dicey a little bit for me. But, you know, because, uh, you know, I was always a Letterman Conan guy, you know what I mean? And, you know, and he knew I, I had sides in the thing, but he decided to come on and I tried to get, you know, in there. Well, but, I know. don't, I, I always said that, that he's uh, two things. I, th- I think he's the funniest person I was ever around. And, and I, I think maybe what we see is a manifestation of deep insecurity. Something. Uh, but. I mean, as a, just, as a stand-up, uh, was there anybody? Have you, did you see him at the comedy store? Uh, no, I used to see him at the Improv. I know he. Was oh yeah, a great he was great stand. there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, Queen Peach Advisory Board. <laughs> I, I mean, what kind of job is that? Yeah, you folks seen Star Wars? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you seem to have a lot of fond memories of the guy. Oh, yeah. That, that I, kinda... I, because, you know, like everything else, so yeah. what? Yeah. And uh, it, nothing happened on which you could indict. So, <laughs> you know, and, and he was, he, he's good. You know, you, but really I, good. but do, do you ever foresee a future where you guys? No, not yeah. really. I mean, we were friendly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm you know, I, I liked him. Uh, I think 
Mm. He, I think, he had a, you know, there was Robert Klein, who is still great, <laughs> and then there was Jay, who I think took uh, was influenced by Robert Klein. I think Jay would admit that. And uh, for for my group, yeah. he was our Robert Klein. Yeah, you know. it's so funny because Robert Klein, and not unlike you or myself, but unlike Jay and other people, like Robert Klein is like eighty. And he's still, you know, before he goes on, fundamentally insecure. Sure. Like, I mean, when I was, I did a gig with him, he's like, oh, Christ, I don't know. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? How about that? I'm like, you mean this never goes away? Yeah. It never goes away. I, I believe that's true. Oh. So now, and also, like, I, I guess I want to talk about real quick is the uh, the way you handled the Bill Hicks thing. I thought that was pretty uh, noble as well. Well, no. Uh that was a mistake I made. Bill Hicks had been uh, on our old show yeah. quite quite a lot. He was a regular on the show. But uh, you you saw in him like he was special. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so then we moved to eleven uh, thirty, and Bill comes on, and uh, he he does a set that uh, we talked a lot about, and I think it included. I don't know. I I remember was what it, it was. But a, we don't need to re- some Christian joke, or it was we don't a, need to yeah. revisit it. But, okay. Uh, so we uh, uh, it did a sloppy job of taking him out of the show. We gave Bill Sheft a big break. Yeah, <laughs> I love Bill. <laughs> yeah, and Bill was you know played along. Yeah. Uh, but it was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, it was it was discourteous. It was impolite. It was inconsiderate on my part. Yeah. Uh, and then later. Uh, it turns out the man has, I think, liver cancer, pancreatic, Pan- pancreatic yeah. cancer. So, uh, and and uh, that was haunting. Yeah, because he died, and you never really made amends or made it well, right or had him back on or whatever. It should not have. It should not have happened in the first place. Uh, I have no great defense. Yeah. I, I have excuses, but I'm not even going to. Uh, but he had his mom on, and he had but, a nice but, apology. Yes, we had his mother on, and we played the set yeah. that had been deleted. Yeah. And I looked at it and I thought I, I had really been a fool because uh, at that time it just seemed like, really? Really, Dave? This yeah. is, you did this to this kid? Yeah. And uh, it's one of, you know, one of the many mistakes I made. Well, do you have, do you have any, do, or do you find yourself, uh, you know, in closing here, do you find yourself, you know, making amends? By the way, I'll yeah. tell you when we're closing. Oh, that's fine. Stay here as long <laughs> as you want. I, you know, we can go back. I skipped a no, bunch of stuff. No, I just, <laughs> I just like saying that. <laughs> Uh, Robin told me, like, we, I did one of the last, or a fairly beautiful interview with him. I went to his house, and it was just the two of us. Did you know at the time that he was ill? Well, no, not like that. I mean, like, he, you know, he he did do some sad riffing at the end about, you know, bat, he had just relapsed with uh, booze, mm. and he'd gotten <clears throat> he'd gotten through the heart surgery and stuff, but I had no idea of the, the deteriorative or deteriorating, uh, the mentally deteriorating disease. But he was very candid, you know. But I think he told me that, uh, you, you know, he did that. He was talking about being on your show after he had the open heart surgery, mm-hmm. after you had. And you said to him, you said, uh, do you find yourself crying a lot? Said nothing? Or something like that? Yeah. 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 And he said he, you guys connected around that, that, yeah. that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's it's a great, uh, I, I love the experience. Not, not. For Robin, for yeah. myself, I loved it. I loved the open heart surgery. You did? Really? Yeah, I loved it. It was great uh, because, as I've said, it was all about me. Yeah. And uh, everybody would, and I just sit him down, and I'd take him right through it. I couldn't stop talking about yeah. it. Yeah. It was well, delightful. Well, but after, but afterwards, I remember watching the show. You were, you, it was sort of like uh, you know, you couldn't hide the vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It was out. Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> yeah. Still putting that back in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, from that experience, uh, I made uh, a handful of really good friends that are still really good friends today. So it was at uh, the hospital. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah the hospital staff and. Uh, yeah, it was good. Sa- yeah. Saved my life. It's been 19 years. Yeah. And, Congratulations. Uh, well, thank, thank you very much. Wait a minute. I'm getting chest, Oh, no, not chest, now. Not chest, here. Chest not here. here. Hold on. Let me turn the mics Ooh. up. You know, <laughs> it's not funny yes. to pretend you're having a heart attack, <laughs> just, Dave. Just stay on the mic. This is going to be clickbait heaven. Uh, but, okay, the last question. Do you have... Uh, Things, do you have amends that you want to make? Do you do you have regrets that you still want to hammer out? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. I, I mean, you haven't lived a life if you get to be my age and don't have regrets. And I've I've tried. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some have worked, some have not worked. Yeah. And the ones that have not worked uh, uh, frustrate me <laughs> because I've, I, uh, well, you want things to go your way and you, it, it's not a fun feeling when you have inadvertently hurt someone's feelings and have reached out to try and correct the problem and uh you you just it it only deepens your feeling of being uh, inconsiderate and even accidentally being a jerk nobody wants that but isn't it more like i guess that's one of the things you learn about about that process it's really more about you taking responsibility for what your actions was you can't really control how they're going to receive it well that's that's the mature way of looking at it <laughs> you're, you're exactly you're exactly right and 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 perhaps you get credit for trying to make it right it doesn't, mean it doesn't hurt yeah yeah but what you want is it to be right like in the case of bill hicks yeah didn't make it right yeah. did the best i could yeah. and uh I, I still feel bad about it but you're not beating the shit out of yourself every day are no you? you can't you know you yeah. can't uh yeah. because uh, no, nobody learns anything from that i you know, you you make mistakes, you try to correct them, and you keep going. Well, you know, I certainly uh, was nervous about this, but I, you know, I, I uh, by the time you got here, I wasn't good. Yeah. I, I was excited about this because uh, it's my first. Uh, I think it's my first podcast. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I, f- I f- I'd like to do one a day. Yeah. There's, you know, just hang out in L.A. for a week. <laughs> Everybody's got one. It's not unlike comedy now. Everyone's got a podcast. Argus Hamilton has a podcast. I did it. It's not a podcast. He's actually. Oh, it's not a podcast. Is no, no, something do, else? He's Some... doing a live streaming television show in the basement of the comedy store. Well, how do you do that? Yeah, well, you set up a camera and you get a YouTube uh, str- or one of the streaming services, and he goes live once a week. I think it's Tuesday night. This is new. It might. Oh, it was last night. You missed it. <laughs> I wouldn't. Know. How does one get that? On the computer. You have a computer? Yes. <laughs> yes, did. I do. Yeah, I did it. I did it. Argus is. Argus is a character. I got to interview him. There's something going on in there. Yeah. I've known him. For, well, I guess maybe I'll see him tomorrow. You know, honestly, dude, he still kills. Like he can, you know, he writes those jokes, man. Mm-hmm. He writes the jokes and they're current and he, he does well. Does he travel? I don't know what he does. No one knows what he does. He comes no. to the comedy store, he does a set and then he gets out. Then he leaves. But uh, he's very sober. Happy? He, oh, no, he, he had some demons. Yeah. 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 No, he seems happy. Uh, he seems chipper, you know, and he's uh, he loves the comedy store and he's really the only one of that generation that has been grandfathered in, you know, by the by the institution to never stop working for as mm-hmm. long as he wants to work. That's good. Yeah. And, and what, what kind of uh, uh, boys and girls uh, are on stage? There, there's a lot of great acts there now. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, there, there's a good crew and the place has gotten very hot again. It's mm-hmm. I think it's really the last authentic 
yeah. comedy club, you know, still sort of owned and operated by the original family kind of deal. And the place looks the same, but they, they, they fixed the bathrooms in the back hall. They fixed the floors. There's, um, you know, they, they, the, the place is like they got security now. You know, it's not, you know, they don't have that. That's right. They never used to have security. No, it's just comics working yeah. the door. Yeah. God forbid something happened. You get guys <laughs> going, like, this is not part of what I do, yeah. you know? And, but no, it's like, a, it's a real operation. The, you, you, a lot of the, the great new comics are there. It's the uh, best location for a club anywhere in the, in the world. Yeah. And also the funny thing is, is like, and I, I believe that you probably feel it too, is like, for whatever reason, you know, when I got there in the late 80s, I felt immediately, you know, deeply and you know, mystically attached to the place. Yeah. I had the same thing. I felt like geographically, I have accomplished what needed to be accomplished. Uh-huh. And what happened with Mitzi ultimately? You know, how did that end up? I mean, you, you we, seem we, to show up and Yeah, we, we uh, uh, I, I think afterwards we, we got to be friends yeah. uh, again, and I, I remember, uh, I, I, I know you're pressed for- uh, I'm not pressed for time. I thought you were. Really? Oh, good. Well, no. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm not so we were, we were doing the show in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. And at well, her place? At the uh, Dunes? No, we uh. had the TV show at- uh, Oh, oh, oh. Uh, your your show. The MGM. The, the CBS the show? MGM Grant. No, the NBC okay. show. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it was a CBS show. That's right. They were all such good shows. They were. They were great. So we, uh, we're, we're walking through the casino, mm. and I see Mitzi coming the other way. And uh, I said, hey, Mitzi. Yeah. David, how are you? It's great, Mitzi. How are you? Fine. I said, "Wow, that's some coat she's wearing a yeah. like a thing that comes down to her waist and yeah. it's uh, uh, furry." And I said, that, "That's a beautiful coat." And she says, "It's monkey." <laughs> I said, "Okay, I got a cheese. I got a cab waiting, Mitzi, and uh, good luck." It's monkey. Uh, yeah, and I just thought, well, is, that's breaking a law, isn't it, somehow? Oh, my God. But God bless her. Uh, I mean, come on in, mm. and uh, you can be on TV. Yeah, if you try. Yeah, it, Get five minutes, you're going on TV. But what about that whole improv war and, like, you can't work there, you can only walk, and all that stuff? You Who know? cares? I, I, yeah. Uh, the improv was great. I always had trouble at the improv, but, uh, you know, there was Andy Kaufman, so it was worth going down there. Oh, I can't imagine I, what it was like to see him. I, it was I, fantastic. Yeah, I just. And I, then he would come on the show, and uh, that was a dream, also. Boy. What to have him on your? Oh, show? Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he never knew what was going to happen. No, or? no, he was so cool. He yeah. would he would tell you exactly what was going to happen. Oh really? Yes, he was a, a, a gentleman in that respect. So yeah, so you didn't you you, you nope. got to play along. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he he would say, "Here's what's going to happen." Yeah, and then Jerry Lawler will come out, and we're going to get into an argument, and then he's going to hit me. And then I'll go down, and that'll be the segment. And, yeah. and I said, okay. <laughs> and and then it happens, yeah. and even though I knew roughly what was going to happen, it was still, yeah. oh, my God, <laughs> he wasn't kidding. <laughs> uh, and the audience, of course, is like, geez, we get your purse. we got to get out of here. <laughs> and and uh, uh, the thing that I, I loved about him from the beginning yeah. when he would come on our show is yeah. he, he would always say at the end of the segment, send me the hate mail. <laughs> Who else did you like look forward to having? Well, all my buddies, uh, because you knew they were going to deliver. I used to love having Jay on. Uh, We had Elaine Boozler on all the time. She was a a good friend of ours in those days. George Miller. Yeah. God bless him. I loved having George on. I just still love him. Uh, And then Altman, you know, Jeff, and then Tom and- uh, Richard? 
Oh, Richard Lewis was great for us too. You know, yeah. all of the all of these guys did really well for us. That was my dream. You know, is that when I started doing Conan, I'm like, I want to be a panel guy. Yeah, like Richard was on yeah. Dave's show. Yeah, and he let me like three or four times a year. Good. Yeah, That's it was great. great. The great thing about panel is like you didn't have the jokes didn't have to be whole. It's like you know you could kind of wing it and and see what happened a little yep. bit. Yep, it was it, two different skills, mm-hmm. really, uh, and the and the guys that uh, I didn't care for the guys who would just do their stand up yeah. at panel. Yeah, I just thought, well, wait a minute, we're not having a conversation yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, have a little story. You, you're funny, and that's great, but <laughs> you could do that over there. If <laughs> yeah. you're coming over here, talk to me. Unless you're Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm tired of talking, Mark. Okay, now it's going to turn into Norm show. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one who saw that. <laughs> I had to watch it. I, mean, I love Norm. God, jeez. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what happened to that show. I just I remember saying to Ted Sarandos yeah. uh, after uh, all of Norm's shows had been produced, I said, boy, I think you guys really got something here. <laughs> <Yeah>. Apparently not. <laughs> but I, I loved it. Yeah, Norm's a character. All right, thanks for talking to me, David. Hey, a real honor. Mark, congratulations Thank on you everything. So much. N- so nice much. talking with you. That was a thrilling hour or so for me. I thank you for hanging out, Dave. Thank you for listening to that. I was a little overwhelmed, but like it got loose. It got loose. I, you know, man. Dave Letterman was at my house and we hung out and talked for a while. I feel all right about it. I feel all right. I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I talked to uh, a fellow comic, a fellow human, a guy trying to be a better guy, a thoughtful guy. I don't know, man. What a fucking day, right? I'll play a little guitar. <laughs> <laughs>